Hello and welcome to another Vailawood podcast. I'm Kevin. With me as always is Aaron. Hey Aaron, how you doing? Great, how are you? This is Three Things. Three Things is a podcast where we bring in thought leaders in the startup and small business community to discuss three things they've learned about entrepreneurship or potentially investing. Today, we're talking with our client, Shaz Amin. Now, Shaz is the founder of two companies on different ends of the spectrum. Shaz started Blue Track Media, a performance-based online advertising company right out of high school. And then he also started Plugged Inc., a premium headphone brand during senior year of college. I believe both of those companies are still running, and Shaz can tell us a little about them today. In April 2014, Blue Track Media was acquired by Carlani Capital, where Shaz is now the managing partner. Shaz, thanks for coming in today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Now, since this one is uh, more entrepreneur-led, I'm going to let Aaron lead this discussion. Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, Shaz, thanks for coming. First, can you just talk a little bit about the the two companies that you started? Definitely. And uh, beforehand, I don't know if I would consider myself a thought leader. I think I'm just a bum that got lucky. Um, But happy to give you uh, some of my experience. When I was 18, uh, that's when I started Blue Track Media. And Now, where did you grow up? I was born in Pakistan, Karachi, and I moved to the U.S. when I was five. Lucky enough, my parents, um, very blessed that they brought me to this country. Moved from Virginia for a year, Florida for a year, settled in Dallas, Texas. And so you're a senior in high school. Which high school are you in? Creekview High School in Carrollton. All right. Right. So graduated Carrollton, got got into UT Dallas. During that summer, realized... I can't work at Bank of America anymore selling these credit cards because they rip your soul, right? You're, you're, you're convincing people to get 40% interest rate credit cards that you just know are going to kill them in the future. Yeah. So that was a three month stint. You know, we, we, we came from a really poor background. My mom working at Kroger making $20,000 a year. My dad was murdered when I was 16. So being the man of the house at that point, I had to do something. Around uh, the time I graduated Creekview, I realized, well, hey, you know, let's try this new online advertising idea I have. Basically, what happened was when I was around 16 to 18, maybe you guys remember this, but all these get a free iPod or get a free Xbox, get $500 cash. I got one of those iPods. You did? I did. How did you do it? It's all referral based. You like sign up for like seven trial memberships or whatever, and then you have to get other people to sign up using your referral code. And then you get a free iPod. So your mom's still getting all these random magazines that you signed no, up. No, I did it pretty cleanly. This is this nice. is so interesting. I, I don't know. Can I curse on this? Sure, I don't know. Of course, yeah. You're the first fucking person who ever actually got one besides <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. This never happens. Yeah, I got right? it in college. It was awesome. <laughs> exactly. And, and I got it too. And I got Xbox and I got all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. How am I getting all this stuff for free? My mom thinks I'm doing something really bad. Like right. so I I mean, being a curious kid, I was taught there's nothing for free, right? You don't get anything for free. So I traced it back. Yeah, you sign up for all these programs, got signed up for Netflix, 30-day trial. Mm -hmm. I got paid X amount. And then I realized the company that I signed up through also got paid. So they were making maybe a 20, 30%, 40% margin. Um, Around the time I turned 18, graduated, I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out. So really took $1,000 of my savings, um, formed this company. And a year later, Started doing 150 in revenue. A year after that, 300 in revenue. And then around sophomore to junior year in college is when I pivoted to Blue Track Media, where now we started working with the advertisers directly 
And then the companies that would offer free iPods would work with us. Got it. So really just moved up the chain and yeah. figured out mm -hmm. how to do that. The value prop with our company was I built everything from the ground up. Early on, when I was just trying it out, we bought a script. So a lot of entrepreneurs don't know these days is you can easily buy some sort of script online that does exactly what you need for the time being. Yeah. And it's up to you to modify the script to make it do what you want. And then eventually, once you prove the business model, go raise money, build something from the ground up that's your own. That's the approach I took. So I would say about three to four years in, we're doing about a million dollars in revenue. And a kid who you know never saw money growing up, seeing a million dollars in revenue, having six-figure salary and cash, I didn't know what to do with the money. So I did what exactly my mom would want me to do is reinvest it. I didn't spend a dime. I was, by the time I was 20, I was pretty well off, right? So it's funny. There was, there was an interview that just came out about me in Voyage Dallas. A lot of my friends growing up, they said that, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, back then you had a lot of money. I was like, I know, because I still that, dress the same way and I was still point. driving the same car. Um, so, you know, Blue Track, it was a lot of hard work mixed with luck, which, you know, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about today. But that, that was the success story. And then in 2014, I was lucky enough to sell it to Carlani. And th that was, I believe, one of the best things that ever happened to me. And then um, the other company is Plugged, which is uh, manufacturing um, audio products. My best friend at the time, actually, him and I started Plugged as a, uh, when I was a senior in, at UT Dallas and you know brought over a whiteboard. I, I still remember just brainstorming all the names that we could be, all the names we could be, and figuring out what we want to do. What we realized is companies like Beats at that time, what they did really well was they made the headphones cool. Yeah. They made it a fashion statement. But what we couldn't realize is why are they charging two, three, four hundred $400 for a product that should cost under $100? So music is dear to me, right? I, I credit music to a lot of where I am today because when I was – freshmen, actually freshmen through senior in high school, while all my friends were partying, the only thing that kept me sane and awake was music, mm -hmm. right? So from 12 to 4 a.m., I'd be putting my, at that time, uh, iPods in or, you know, ear earphones in from Apple and just listening to my Cole, my Kanye, Jay-Z and imagining, hey, I'm going to be here in four years. So keep fighting, keep doing this. It's hard, but you'll get there. Music, music touched me in a way that really fueled me to get to where I am today. And the point with Plugged was always to enable others to feel the same. I believe music can be that driving force for success. So Plugged was born then, um, and it's actually been a lot tougher than Blue Track. And a lot of founder issues, a lot of bad decisions. I, I wasn't as hands-on with plugged as I am today. So on one side, I had a rocket ship, right? Blue track taking off, which required 90% of my time. And then 10% of my time went to plugged. However, I had a co-founder at that time that I trusted really, really closely to run things. He was my best friend at that time, right? As I said, but it just didn't work out. So yeah. now I'm back on board plugged as of uh, early this year. We're turning it around. So ask me again in 12 months how, how it's going, and I'll give you a better answer. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that Plugged was harder than Blue Track. What's been the hardest 
experience or the hardest lesson to learn being an entrepreneur and being a founder? The mental toll. The mental toll it takes on your, your body, your life. I believe depression is so big. It's so synonymous with entrepreneurship. I, I teach a class at UTD, and one of the first things I told the, the, the students was, you know, through your entrepreneurship journey, if there aren't points where you're depressed, you're probably not working hard enough or you're probably not shooting for the stars. Because if you're trying to be anything, there are going to be so many points of just roller coaster going down. And that is was the hardest. And that was something I wasn't prepared for. And I don't believe many people are prepared for today. Yeah, you know, I've always thought that being a founder, especially in the very early stages of the company, is a pretty lonely experience. Because before you've built out your team, before you've, you know, started developing this company, it's just you with your thoughts, with your ideas, trying to turn it into something that that's going to be a company. And so I think when you couple that with the fact that you're working so hard, it can be a really sort of isolated and lonely process. So lonely. And the best or best example I have is when I was in college, I lost a lot of friends. Um, my best friends growing up just stopped talking to me because I could never be the guy to hang out, right? right? They'd go to each other's houses on the weekends or at night, watch a movie. Hey, come over. Hey, come over. I can't. I can't. Eventually, those texts stop coming, mm -hmm. right? And then eventually you grow apart because it's hard for them to understand this journey and why you have to do what you have to do and you can't always right. hang out. So yeah, it, it was very lonely. And at that time, I was starting a remote company. Yeah. So all my employees were remote. Right. So yeah, I, I was pretty much in a box for eight, 12 to 18 hours a day, not having much physical communication outside of Skype, AIM, if, right. if anyone remembers yeah. that, ICQ, all these things, right? So that's what we, we, we communicated with a lot back in the day, but it was very lonely. Yeah. So looking back, you know, you've had two pretty different experiences in, in founding companies. Obviously, you've probably learned a lot from both. So if you were starting over today, what would you do differently? Good question. A lot. Um, a, few, a few things I would do differently. With Blue Track would be, I started that without a technical co-founder, and that was tough, right? When you're starting a tech company and you don't know tech, man. Um, so for the first four years, uh, I had a developer that built the entire system, but he built it to a maybe five to six million dollar revenue range, right? After after five to six million dollars, and 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 I'm trying to just put it in numbers. But, you know, there's a lot of traffic coming in, clicks and all that. So our servers couldn't handle that. So I just put five to six million dollars as a number for you to understand. When we were trying to reach to 10, when we had new clients come in, more advertisers, the system would break. So whatever he built, um, when I sold the company, my now uh, CTO, Kevin, inherited a lot of what we call tech debt. And Kevin and his team worked their ass off for the last few years. And now we actually have a robust system that can handle just DDoS attacks left and right, right? So have, not having a technical co-founder um, was something I would go back and change, uh, at least with Blue Track. And the other thing I would change is starting out, I did not, I, I didn't really know what my vision was. Now, I don't know if I'd go back and change that, sorry, but... The reason I didn't know my vision was, was because I just needed to do something that could make me money so I can help right. my family. Mm -hmm. 
right? So at that, then I started making money. I got stuck on the on the fact that how can I make more money doing the same thing? It wasn't just it wasn't like this grand vision I had until I sold the company. Uh, my partner Rudy Carson, who um, has been instrumental in my life um, as a mentor, a friend, and, and a best friend, actually, but he he made me think bigger. So what I would go back and change is I would tell myself, think bigger. You have more potential than what you're doing now. Um, and I, I don't know if many people realize that when they're starting out. And, you know, that's normal. You doubt yourself because you've never done it. If you had, you know, a mentor at that point who said, no, 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 you need to think bigger. Is that something you think you could have done? Or, you know, maybe they could have said it and you would have said, no, 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 I need to do this smaller thing first. At the right time when... I was financially stable, which really was a year in. Mm-hmm. Yes, a mentor telling me to think bigger would have helped because I did not have any mentors then. Um, I was at UTD where now it's totally different, where you can find mentors, and especially Dallas. Dallas was not what it was back then. And this is 10 years ago when I was starting. Yeah. Um, what, I, I could not find someone to help me think that big grand vision until Rudy came along. And I, and I do believe it also depends on the person. Yeah. Right. Um, if I was, I, I have been mentored by other people in the past and I'm so grateful of them. I'll never forget them because they were so instrumental at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. When someone like Rudy comes along, someone who sold a company for a billion dollars, the, the game changes. And I now was forced to increase my, I guess, level of standards yeah. right no i can't do this anymore i need to i need to act this way or i need to think bigger in this sense so he really upped my game right he, he made me realize wow i'm i'm a lot stronger than i thought i was he gave me the confidence i needed to get to the next level and he's continuously doing that because yes you're supposed to in this game or maybe journey i should say <laughs> it can be a game it, it, yeah right uh you are supposed to be very confident and you're never supposed to show signs of weakness. But man, there are there are points of weaknesses and you need that mentor that can get you out of that rut and remind you, hey, you can do this. You're you are good. You're great. Here's what you need to get back. Yeah. It sounds like it goes back to the sort of isolated nature yep. of being a founder. You need especially, you know, I think having a team that's part of the company nearby that you can talk to is great, but having somebody outside that isn't as involved that you can always sort of talk to, you can vent to them about frustrations or annoyances or whatever you need to vent to them about. But I think that can be really cathartic and helpful. But here's what one thing entrepreneurs don't understand. And they always ask, you know, how can I get a mentor? How can I approach someone, etc.? And what I say to them is someone like Rudy would not have given me the time of day. And well, he would have given me a time of day, but that connection wouldn't have been built if it was, you know, way early on. I had to get to a point where I had to prove myself. I had to work my ass off for him to take me seriously and devote the time that he has been devoting into me, right? So that mentor is so important, but they're supposed to come at the right time. Someone like Rudy would not have been very helpful to me as well as probably helpful or uh, best use of his time if I met him two, three years into the journey. Yeah, and I'd imagine somebody like Rudy probably gets pinged all the time from people saying, hey, will you be my mentor? And yeah. And I'm sure he wants to help as many people as possible, but... And he does. He, it's a matter of how, where's my time going to be best used? When you get to that point in your life where Rudy has, you know, you've sold a company for a billion dollars, and, and even before, I believe you want to pour into someone. 
Now you want to pay it forward. You want to find that person that you can give all your wisdom and experience into. And it's not like you're expecting anything in return. For some reason, we just clicked really well within instantly. And, um, you know, it, that bond that we have is really ir- irreplaceable. So it can't be forced, right? You'll find the right mentor that helps you the way Rudy has helped me. It, eventually, they'll come along. I don't believe it was something that I planned or I, I forced upon him. Um, we met and we just hit it off right away. Sort of related to Rudy would be, for you, what's been the most rewarding part of your experience as a, as a founder? I'm teaching a class filled with students that want to be entrepreneurs, want to do something big. I'm not really getting much right for this class. I'm not getting compensated, but the way I'm getting compensated is this is my pay for it. Yeah. What Rudy is doing with me, I'm doing with these students. And it's really re- rewarding because when I was in their shoes, this is exactly what I needed. And it's funny, at the beginning of the class, I, I told everyone, you know, by midpoint or end of class, if around 50% of you haven't pivoted in some capacity or changed your idea, I'd be really surprised. And last week I asked, hey, show of hands, who's pivoted over half the class? Yeah. And that felt good. Right, because some of them are like, yeah, Shaz made me realize, you know, this idea wasn't re- exactly what I should be doing. L- let me think bigger. And it's hard to explain what that feels like. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a rewarding experience when you know that every all the shit that you went through for the last ten years can help someone else out. Yeah. And, and help them be successful. Yeah, accelerate their growth a little exactly. bit faster. Exactly. All right, Shaz, let's wrap it up. Really appreciate it, man. That was great stuff. Take, if you enjoyed this episode, take a look at our other one featuring Shaz the Investor. That's going to be released a little bit after this one, but keep an eye out for it. In closing, as always, we have show notes. You can find them on our website, VelaWoodLaw.com. Click on the blog and look for this podcast episode. Questions and comments, email us, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. Follow us on Twitter at VelaWoodLaw. Shaz, where can people find you? I'm very easy to find, but go to my website, Shazil.com. That's S-H-A-H-Z-I-L.com. And then on Twitter, people can find you where, Shaz? At Super Shazman. That's S-U-P-E-R-S-H-A-Z-M-A-N, correct? You got it. All right. Finally, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This was Three Things. Thanks for listening. Five stars. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at